Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my name is Rob, and uh, uh, my lovely wife and I will be sharing together today. We're going to be continuing the, the series, Disrupted. This is the second message, and we're going to be sharing a little bit about unexpected loss and pain and uh, those things that, that uh, hit us uh, unexpectedly. So we're going we're gonna to do that in just a minute. Uh, anyone else get some snow today? Yeah, so did we. We've got some snow. So, um, anyway, we're going to watch this, not watch, excuse me, listen to a clip uh, that's going to introduce our, mess, our little message today. Uh, and so you're just going to be hearing an audio clip. It's done by my son, David, and it's an interview that he conducted with my wife and I just uh, several months ago uh, in relationship to the story that we're going to share with you. So uh, just sit back and listen to this for just a few moments, please. Every year, on August 20th, my mom changes her profile picture on Facebook to Rose's for my younger sister's birthday. My sister, Elizabeth Rose, actually passed away just minutes after her birth on August 20th, 2003. I was 32, and um, we, so we had Ruthie, who at the time was six years old, David was four, and Rachel was two. We had talked about like how many kids we wanted to have, and um, we had said three or four, and Dad was saying, I think maybe we should, you know, do something permanent to just be like, this is our family, like a vasectomy or something like that. And I remember having, like, panic about that. Like, there is no way I want to make that decision right now. This was right before we found out anything was different with this pregnancy. And so I actually begged Dad. I said, please don't do that until we're all done. If Dad had said, we're done... Um, we wouldn't have been able to have any more kids after her. It was like around dad's birthday that we found out that we were going to have another baby, so a fourth baby. We were excited. It was around my birthday, and then, yes, I remember her saying, I was thinking that was going to be the end, and then she asked me to, to, to consider that not being the end, and I said, okay. I personally remember bits and pieces of Elizabeth's journey and how she was born, but up until... About the day of her birth, I don't recall much of what happened. Mom had been 17 weeks pregnant, and we were super excited. He did a sonogram on Mom. I remember it like it was yesterday. He began to say, okay, well, there seems there's something, something wrong here. One thing I remember about that morning is I was unusually nervous. Like... I mean, this was not my first rodeo, you know, going to the doctor. Yet I was, like, changing my outfit a million times and just, like, super nervous. And I just chalked it off as, like, well, I've never known if the baby's a boy or a girl before, so this is a really big deal. So he first said, you guys, this is another little girl. And I remember, like, it's like a scene from a movie, you know. I remember, like, there's chit-chat, and Robert and I are like, no way, another girl. And he got really serious and, like, super intense. He's like, yeah, yeah, I do. I have one girl. And then it was real serious, and then he goes, guys, there's something really wrong with your baby. It felt like somebody kicked us in the stomach. He said that this baby, she has something called anencephaly, which is a neurotube defect. It bursts the bubble and there's like a pin drop, you know? And we were like, well, what do you mean? 
and he says well i don't see any skull past the eyes on this child how has your life changed since elizabeth fundamentally as we went through this together we began to just sort of see life through a different lens in many ways i guess i finally just realized like i i don't have all the answers i don't have it all together it's okay to not have it all together how how she changed me was that i wanted to live so much more in the moment life is fleeting and when you're young sometimes you kind of just think you know i can just dream and I think it really slowed me down. I can't just say, oh, I'm going to have three or four kids and the little house with the white picket fence and I'm going to drive this car and we're all going to be happy. There was something beautiful about the mess of just being like, okay, um, in the mess. And it took me a long time to be okay in the mess, believe me. Each one of my kids is a gift. I don't take that for granted one minute. It is not easy. Not you go into the maternity ward, everyone leaves with a baby. There is people who actually walk out, and I was one of them, after all that work, without a baby, without the prize. It just opened my eyes to compassion, and the imperfect world we live in and just how much we need each other. You look around the family and even with a big family like ours, you're like, someone's missing, you know? So she 100% is my daughter. I held her for almost nine months in my womb and watched her pass away in dad's arm and had a funeral and everything. The one day that um, she was with us outside of me was her birthday on August 20th. And so because of her name, Elizabeth Rose, we have used the symbol of the pink rose all over the place. When I see pink roses, I've been known to pull the car over. It's almost like a little hint of a reminder of her that she's smiling at us. You know, she's waiting for us, you know, someday. And so on her birthday, I choose to use a pink rose because it's the symbol that I've used for 16 years to remember her, to honor her. And I changed my profile picture to roses. And I usually wear jewelry that I have that daddy's given me that has her birthstone or her name, or a rose. Her short little life, she died, and it bore fruit of freedom for our lives and our family. So that's why that tattoo's on my chest. I put it on my over my heart, and there are two roses on it, the bigger roses. Hers up, kind of pointing up to heaven, and the smaller rose I'm beneath it is symbolic of my life, our lives here. We believe that we are better people, better parents, better friends because of having her. A life is not measured by moments, months, or years. It's, it's literally not. It's not measured by that, the impact of what a life can do. Part of us felt like we could just play David's podcast and go home. <laughs> Um, thank you guys for being here and listening to our story today. Um, I'm going to give you the end from the beginning. It's all about Jesus. 
This is Elizabeth's story today, so we get to honor her with this, but this is um, not about us. It's not about her. It's about Jesus and how he um, gave us purpose in being disrupted with uh, grief and loss and pain. There's actually real professionals in the room today, um, and we're not, you know, professionals. We don't have PhDs in grief or anything like that. But we do have a story and we do have experience and it's not maybe exactly like your experience, but we're here to share ours. And the one thing that I felt like God um, spoke to me about sharing today was that this, the um, testimony is the spirit of prophecy. And so as we share today, what that means is that as we share our story, it might not be exactly your story or something that you've gone through, but we honestly believe that the Holy Spirit comes in the room and, and comes into hearts and ministers through our story to maybe something that would meet you where you're at in your story right now. And so um, I love that because I love that it might be unique for everyone what they take away from someone just sharing their life. Um, David was challenged in his university. It's a liberal arts school um, to do a, a, a assignment that was played on the radio in Denver on a moment of change. And so that's what you heard was what was played on the radio. And we were challenged actually to tell our story in ways that maybe didn't use scripture or didn't use a lot about who really ultimately healed us. We hope that you could hear that woven through. Um, because I honestly don't know how to heal from being disrupted in pain and loss without Jesus. And so I, um, I think that it was amazing that he had that assignment. I do believe that the Holy Spirit will minister through those words, even though we didn't get to proclaim loudly his name. Um, I, I hope that he uses it. We actually were challenged last summer by some friends of ours. They said that they had, um, contacted with somebody in the summer they work with young adults that um, had had an abortion and um, in the middle of the night last night God asked me to share this part so I'm going to share this part today um, that they challenged us to be able to tell the story in an arena maybe that is not a church but someplace that would be secular that people could hear woven through the value of life. And so isn't that cool that just a couple months later, David had that assignment, we were able to do that. So I don't know who got to hear that, but um, that's pretty awesome. Um, and of course, would that never be heard in condemnation, but just in hope um, for somebody. But um, what we wanted to share today was, of course, anybody whose life is disrupted with grief, pain, or loss, it's you don't ever expect that, right? You don't, you don't sit back like we shared in the podcast and are like, I have um, these dreams and hopes. You know, my favorite dream titles would be things like Dream Giver, <laughs> um, God Gives Dreams, all those kind of books. Um, I, I grew up with that kind of a personality, so I wasn't somebody who would camp on um, expecting hardship. I mean, I don't think anybody really does, but we were ex actually in an environment in ministry that Rob shared about some that was, um, we had some false doctrine, actually, we believe this is false doctrine, that life is supposed to just keep going up and up and up like this, like a linear line, and if your life looks like this, hills and valleys, that there's something wrong, that maybe there would be something wrong with, with me or with Rob or with us, 
And, um, and so at the time when our life was disrupted with this, we obviously were completely shocked and we had lots of questions. Was there something that I ate that was wrong? I mean, I don't know, you think about this. Was there something that we did? Forgive me, you guys, I'm a lot more emotional this morning than last night. <laughs> I made it through last night pretty well. Um, it was really amazing because I think through the shock that you have when you're disrupted, um, you ask a lot of questions. But I looked back this week, Rob was so sweet. I literally spent the whole day in my room. <laughs> On Monday, brought, he brought me meals like a little, you know, cellmate. Here you go. Here's some rice and chicken. Keep going, whatever you're doing. And I actually have a big box under my bed that has hundreds and hundreds of letters and notes and cards from that time in our life. Hundreds and um, journals that we wrote. I did a Bible study um, that I would love to do with someone someday. This is exciting. Oh, there we go. Um, I think that that is something that's, that's worth talking about, is that how normal that is to go a little bit in a place of denial and feeling somewhat numb in that unexpected place. Um, I do think that we had a really unique, um, sometimes I think it was really awesome and gracious of the Lord, and sometimes I think it was, quite frankly, um, I wonder <laughs> about knowing in advance something that was going to happen to our child. Um, that was a really strange place. We actually felt like we were like in a transplanted to a different planet. You know, like what in the world is happening? And when we described in the podcast, when the doctor shared that news, I literally ran out of the room gasping for air because it was like the biggest shock that you could ever imagine. And, um, and so it was a strange preparation of like, it's kind of when you know somebody that's really sick and they could be terminal with a terminal diagnosis, you're preparing for this moment. That's what ended up happening, but it was really a strange way of going through a pregnancy, of course, in a very devastating um, way. Obviously, um, our doctor, my mom reminded me this last night, said, um, I have not delivered a baby with this diagnosis in 19 years because about every five or six years, there's some, they took me through all sorts of genetic testing after this, but about every five or six years, he would maybe see a diagnosis come through his office, but he never saw them again. Because at that moment, he would say, there is no life viable outside your womb. And they would, and he said, but I do not give abortions. And they would go and find someone else to abort their baby. And so in 19 years, since my doctor was in medical school, he hadn't delivered a baby with our neural tube defect, which is amazing because he was there every, every moment of the way. Um, my mom also reminded me this point last night. She said, remember what he said to you. And uh, one thing he said to us was he said, um, and I kind of alluded to this in the podcast. I said, um, well, you have a, a daughter, right? And he got real quiet and distance and said, yes, I have one. Well, his daughter actually died in a fire when she was two years old. 
And um, we picked this doctor. Actually, there was a lot of flack about this doctor in our town in Tucson. Um, he had had a scandal in his life, and for some reason, we picked him. And uh, actually, a lot of people on our staff that we were working with were mad at us for picking this doctor because he was had sort of a scandal around his life. Um, that doctor delivered my daughter, Rachel, who's here. She had um, her cord wrapped around her neck three times when she was born, which was the birth right before Elizabeth. And if that doctor had not had the expertise that he had, we would not have that sweet pea here right now. And then after, when he delivered this, this child, we believe it was by divine appointment that we had him because when he said, he said, Robin Amy, you're pastors, you're the answer people. Why do you tell people that this kind of stuff happens? What do you say when bad things happen to good people? And uh, of course we said, um, we're not sure. It was a good first eye-opening experience of we don't have the answers. It was a good first time of saying things happen and we don't know why and we live in a fallen world and um, children do die. And um, later when we um, went through the whole process with him, he wrote us a card. And when I share things about how our experience um, touched other people's lives, Please understand the, the humility in which I say this because um, I'm extremely um, blessed and blown away that he would use one little part of our story for anyone. Um, and of course, it's Jesus. It's not us. It's not. But he wrote us a card that said that our faith had changed his in how he viewed life in God. And what a great victory that is for us that we were able to be a part of that um, and that God would use our story. Um, I think that one thing that I remembered, especially this week, I said, wow, I'm willingly um, here <laughs> diving back in, you know, to the, uh, to the zone, I called it, by reading through a bunch of different things and um, processing once again. This clip that you heard is 16 years later. 16 years later, um, we can stand back and see ripples of a little life that affected ours and changed ours. And Rob's going to actually talk a little bit more about the environment that we were in and surrounding us as we were going through this um, and continue to. But her life actually started a string of different experiences in our life where we really understand God being with us in the hills and valleys. We started with that loss that really, sort that really not sort of, it did burst the bubble of our life that we were in. Um, we moved and we lost our ministry in our life and our home that we never thought we'd um, leave in Tucson. We left and we had an incredible four years um, of growing and being challenged in counseling and all sorts of things for all the different things we were going through. Rob's mom passed away. And in there, we had our first rainbow baby, Johnny. I don't know where he is, but he's here somewhere. And he's a promise because when I left that hospital, as I mentioned in the podcast, God spoke to my heart very near and dear and said, you will once again, you will once again walk out of that hospital. And this time you'll have a baby in your arms. And so I, um, he's a promise. And then we have Aaron, who's another, another rainbow baby. I guess what happened in that time was we realized we're not in control and the painters just kept having babies. <laughs> um, it's kind of an issue. Uh, yeah. Trying to. I just wanted out. to tell you a little bit about a faith cocoon. 
and I didn't learn that word until I learned Dan mentioned this book, um, Unexpected by Christine Kane. And I um, did actually a Bible study with the ladies here a couple years ago on that book. Um, she meant, I didn't have the words to put it together about when you're in grief and loss and pain, um, what happens. But the one thing with this strange preparation that I had um, of, of waiting for this was that I didn't know where to put my faith. I knew God could heal. I knew that he would um, meet me with my faith. I trusted him like that. I knew this would be a very creative, intense miracle if he was going to do that. But we, right after we found out about the diagnosis, we went to a service, and it hap the service happened to be, go figure, on healing. We went forward, and everybody laid their hands on me and my, my belly and everything, and um, I said, okay, you know, God could do this, right? God could do this. But in the middle of the night, I was having different things where I would wake up in the middle of the night and couldn't breathe. Um, and I would have to, um, you know, get back into reality, regulate my breathing. Rob would comfort me, and we decided he started playing Christian radio and Christian TV 24 hours a day so that any time that I woke up, that would be what I would hear was the word of God or worship music or something. That's what I um, really believe is called a faith cocoon where you all of a sudden start to uh, wrap yourself up in Jesus's presence and who he is and his truth and scriptures. Um, and one thing that I really love to tell people is the scripture Hebrews 619. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place beyond the curtain. And, um, you know, there's a time where I said, um, I don't think that I can swallow that scripture right now, or I don't think that I can hear you know, people say things sometimes meaning well, and they don't really realize what they're saying. They'll say, all things work for good for those who love Jesus. That's true, but when you're in the pit of despair, sometimes it's hard to grasp onto that. So the biggest thing that I um, wanted to share was how spirit-led grieving and helping someone grieving has to be. Because if you... Um, aren't spirit-led and your flesh wants to say something or come in and fix them or whatever, how hurtful it can be. I did have three small little children. Rachel wasn't even quite two. And so I would have people say to me, well, you have three children. And um, that's very hurtful. Now, somebody might have needed to hear at the time, um, which I think I did say in the podcast, God ministered to me and said, they're not yours anyways, right? What a, what a gift each one of them is. But we have to be so spirit-led when we talk to people because something can be so hurtful. Or you obviously don't have a problem with infertility, Amy. You can get pregnant again. Um, that's extremely hurtful to somebody because it's not valuing the very life that I was carrying right then. Um, your soul is your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. And so when your emotions and your mind want to carry you all different places... A word from Jesus or from someone else or Jesus's presence ultimately is what anchors you. When you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't focus or breathe or when you don't know which end is up, a word or an encouragement from Jesus himself or from his word or from another person anchors you, drops that anchor into the water and helps you be steadfast when everything else around you is swaying and um, Dan and Kim talked um, to us in the teaching team about how, um, and I've been the benef the the uh, I've had the benefit of this in my life from them. Um, they 
are people who are so faithful when they know somebody's hurting. If you've had the benefit of being loved on by them, they really go and ask Jesus and say, what would be a word for them? What would you want me to tell them? What would you, and so I think that's such an awesome practice in saying, um, speak to me, Lord, and how, what you would have them know right now, or should I just be silent? Should I just hug? Should I just comfort? The biggest thing that I would want our words to be today is like a blanket that just wraps around you, that makes you feel like for whatever you might be going through or knowing somebody that's going through, that you would just feel his loving kindness and his gentleness. There's a time for um, rising up. There's a time for um, the army. Um, there's a time for boots to the ground and fighting in the war. And today we felt like our time was, there's a time to talk about the brokenness and the pain and um, the hope that we do have in Jesus. Um, a lot of times people will do things like create a foundation or do a run or do things like that, do a march for life in order to honor somebody who is um, passed in their life. I think that's where God starts to breathe on our, our grief and our pain and give us, start to give us a purpose in it, right? He starts to help us to see that, that we, um, in his timing, that, um, that we can actually go through life with this. Now, there are times when I say to people, I kind of feel like I have a limb that's missing, you know, walking around with a limb, which is really unusual. You know, obviously you see my big family and um, some people will say, well, gosh, why the gap in between um, Rachel and Johnny? You know, there's five years in between those sweet peas. Um, and this is why, because there's actually another person that belongs in the Painter family. And I don't know how I didn't mention this last night, but there's actually another little miscarriage right after Johnny. And so um, I think that People, I think the biggest thing that as I was really meditating on this, I mean, gosh, what a thing to, you know, go before the Lord about pain and loss. <laughs> um, and is that we just don't know. We don't know how holy it could be when we're walking around and we see somebody, what they're going through. The little lady that checked me into the hospital to have Elizabeth said, well, Amy, you're all checked in. Tomorrow morning, you'll have your little girl in your arms. And although that was precious and true, there was huge letters across my form that said terminal. And so, again, being aware and being, um, being led by the Lord is so important. And we can actually bring the Holy Spirit to somebody and be a comforter just like him and be that warm blanket to somebody that's going through pain. What a privilege it is. What a privilege it is when we get to do that. Um, I think that as we were talking a little bit more about our story, I mentioned, I wish that I could tell you this was all tied up with a bow. And I wish that I could stay, stand up here and say to you that, um, that grief and that loss and things like that do not um, affect you. I believe that we can be free. I believe that we can um, have hope and I believe that we can be changed and I won't ever be the same person. But I do know that um, there are times when it comes back as fresh as it, I, could, I could even believe that it was yesterday. Um, at nine years old, for some reason, we were supposed to come to church and I was immobilized by grief. And I called my friend Cammie and I said, I can't do it, I cannot get out of bed. Nine years later, very interesting. You know, the different, um, last night when I was up in the middle of the night, like I do, <laughs> um, I felt like the Lord said, um, it's okay to talk a little bit about lingering things. 
and it's okay to talk a little bit about coping mechanisms. So whoever that's for today, um, there are coping mechanisms that we do to numb the pain. I do encourage you to, um, to unpack your suitcase when you can. Sometimes we, we pack it up um, and we need some time and time does help. But at the right time, I do believe it's, it's very healthy to go and look at that street square on and look at your grief and pain. Um, and I think that some of, for me, was a little bit of the environment we were in to sort of buck up and keep going, keep in the game. And so a lot of those lingering effects came out later. So my friends that I met here five years later got to deal with me with a lot of those lingering effects. And some of my friends at 10 years old who'd never met Elizabeth and never had um, known me in that time threw a birthday party for her. And it was so precious because um, we all dressed in pink and we had rose cupcakes and I told her story. And I just wanted to say how much we all remember the day of the funeral or the day of something's happening. But what about one, two, five, and 10 years later? How important that is to remember our friends that have lost um, things in their life. Um, many of you, like I said, I wish that I could say it was all tied up with, in a bow. Um, I, have, I have some health things that I'm looking at now that are 16 years later that I, you can only fight so many battles at once, right? So I have those now that are at the forefront of my heart that I do believe are from some of the life um, and some of the different things that have happened through our journey. And so the biggest thing that um, scripture that I wanted to share with you before I um, let Rob get a chance to talk, a scripture, Psalm 27, 13 through 14, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord and be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. And so I think that was one of my scriptures that I memorized and I said over and over and over. I do believe that I'll see good. And um, there was a time when um, I, I read my journals this week. I described the whole birth process of her, the beauty and the mess of it all. And, um, and I remember that there was a time when, and Rob alluded to this in the podcast, that the nurse said, I'm very sorry, we've lost her heartbeat. And the Lord reminded me this week to tell you all to not lose your heart. That if you have pain and loss and grief, that he does not want you to lose your heart in it. He doesn't want you to lose yourself in who he's made you. He doesn't want you to lose your heart. He wants you to um, roll it over to him, be wrapped like a blanket in his presence, and um, he will carry you through. Um, last night, Abby talked about a, um, a word that the Lord gave her where she, t she had seen people um, shaking their fist and saying, you know, I forget exactly how it went, but it talked about really actually bringing the storehouse um, to the Lord or holding it. And um, I told her, I said, oh my gosh, sweet girl, you didn't realize that that was one of the things that I wanted to say. There's a difference between going through something hard and shaking your fist at the Lord and saying, why me? And opening your arms to the Lord and saying, I can't take another breath without you. And that's a choice that we have, isn't it? And um, I didn't always do that perfectly, but I do believe that, that he carried me um, because I asked him to. And um, I forgot to mention this, that after the, the healing service that we had, um, God was so faithful that he spoke to us and said, um, Amy, I'm not going to heal your baby here on earth. The healing's going to be actually in her death. 
and wow, what a word from God, you know, so I could switch my faith into, I'm not believing for her to be perfect here, but I'm believing for what is he going to do in our life through this? And how is he going to um, heal through um, this little person's life? Um, I think that, that my kids remember a lot of their life before her. And I hope that they remember how their life has changed after. Um, I, I think that one thing in not losing your heart is that Rob and I, somehow this guy right here has a beautiful gift of being able to take you into the valley and be there with you and sit there with Jesus in you and then help you pop your head out with a good laugh. And I think in, in losing your heart, not losing your heart, one of the things is laughter's good medicine. And so I'm so thankful that he has been able to take us through that, even though the hard, through the hard things he's been through. Um, Rob has talked a lot about um, his self and his journey and when he preaches, he's so vulnerable that way. Um, he talked a lot about that he went through a really hard time. And one thing that I wanna tell you about how God uses um, your pain for good even though you might not be ready to hear that like I wasn't. And at one point, you know, when you hear about somebody saying to you, um, think about the people that you're gonna help with your story. Um, there was a time when I felt so hardened in my heart about it, I said, um, this is hard for me to say today. Um, I don't really care right now, but today I do care. And today I see your faces, and today I want my story to help you. And so I care deeply. And if it's for one person that my story could help, um, then I'm so thankful. And um, I do care. And so it's normal to say, well, my goodness, why should I you know, care about X, Y, and Z? I'm in so much pain. But um, I do think at the right time, he makes it so that we can care. And um, so Rob, I think his story is that he is um, amazing because that pain and that loss that he went and confronted, he was able to then hear from God once again about how God wanted to use him. And so what a gift because now he gets to sit in a counseling room with people and walk through pain and loss and grief and give them hope. And so that's how God brought kind of the paddles of life back to his heart and brought his heart back to life by healing him through all this um, grief and loss and then giving him great purpose in that. And so um, I think it's amazing. You guys have been able to, to hear some of his story, but I think that he's a great testimony of God using that, that pain and loss to um, bring great purpose to it. So I know that he wanted to share some of his counselor Rob little nuggets. Thanks, sweetie. I think it's important to understand, too, it's uh, interesting right now for us. Um, when this happened, when Elizabeth Rose was born and, and passed 14 minutes, she lived for 14 minutes, um, I, that started a, a bunch of things in my own personal life that I've shared some, and it, it brought me to, a, to the end of myself in so many ways, but Amy had, had to stuff some of that for those years, and it's just surf even some of it's even surfacing now. So that's why I want to say, you know, we're, I, I don't know where your story is. And I know some of you have had just tremendous loss. Uh, some of you maybe watching have had just horrifically painful loss. And maybe it's in the loss of a loved one, of a child. So, some people have gone through horrific pain and losing their job and, and splitting up of families and children. It's just horrifically painful. 
but I, uh, so we in no way want to say, you know, hey, yeah, we, we get all that because we don't, because you have your unique story, but Jesus loves you, and he will not let you go in the midst of it, even if you don't feel it. See, one of the things that I realized that I struggled with at this time is I, the enemy started to lie to me because I thought it was something I had done wrong. Uh, I had done a lot of uh, drugs in, in my past. I thought that's what affected her brain. You know, her little head. It actually, her, uh, her skull did end up growing more, but it just never quite finished the, the growth. Yeah, and I thought that was my fault for a long time. Like somehow, man, I did so many stupid things, but that wasn't true, and it wasn't true. So I know some of you may struggle with it. Maybe it's something you did in your connection to whatever pain or loss you've had, and and uh, don't listen to the lies of the enemy. That's just it's just not true. And I I struggled. Did I have enough faith? Was it was there something wrong with me? And that's when the Lord was carrying me. So. Uh, because I got to see Elizabeth Rose. I prayed for her in, uh, when, she was, when Amy was carrying her, and I could f- feel her. She would listen to my voice, and she had enough of a brain to know that her daddy was there and her mommy was there. I know she did. And when she was born, I asked the Lord if I could see her eyes, if she would just look at me, and she did. And then she passed. And uh, it's important for you guys to understand what was going on in our environment there. Um, there were two important things happening at the same time. We were in one room uh, having Elizabeth Rose, and Amy went through almost 21 hours of painful labor. It was, it was a, a long time, and I was sleeping in there. I ended up getting pleurisies after that. Do you guys know what pleurisies is? It's a, I was sleeping in a hospital for a few days, and so it just, uh, right, after her, right after her passing, man, I was laid up in bed for several weeks because I couldn't breathe. Every time I'd breathe, I felt like I was having a heart attack. So it was just a, 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 a tough little season. But while we were doing that, three hallways down in the same hospital at the same time, our pastor's daughter, uh, who was 17 at the time, uh, was dying of septic shock. Her intestines had exploded, and she was uh, dying. And nobody knew how to figure that out. So those those two events, what was so significant to me and Amy about it is it brought about um, the courage in myself and Amy and and our other staff to confront our pastor with some of the things that were going on in our church. We were living in a fearful environment. We were completely being controlled in so many ways. It was just spiritual abuse that I was struggling with, and that's what part of my mental breakdown, in addition to losing Elizabeth Rose, I finally just snapped. I couldn't do it. But at this point, two of the other friends of ours actually wrote a letter to our pastor. And just, it was the first time. See, I was there for 20 years. Um, first time in 20 years we had enough guts to confront him and say, something's wrong, man. Something's happening that isn't right. And to his credit, he received that. And it brought about discussions and conversations that were so healthy. And um, it led to tremendous change in our lives. For the first time in my life, I wasn't afraid anymore. Something happened to me, man. And when you're holding your, your little baby girl and she breathes her last, you, you're just changed. You're not the same person. And somehow I just, I just didn't want to deal with this bully in my life anymore. And I said, enough's enough, man. And uh, 
he was crying when I confronted him about it because he had a lot of issues too. Um, but the thing that I want to say too is uh, the impact of some of what you're going through in your loss, it impacts other people, man, in ways that we have no idea. Let me read you a, a little short letter. This is another one of the pastors at the time. Uh, I and Amy and then two other couples were the pastors of a church of about 600 people. Um, and uh, this was a letter written by our friends Bill and Margie at the time. And this was written August 14th, 2004. So about a year later after, after Elizabeth passed. Dear Rob and Amy, we wanted to write and tell you how much um, your daughter Elizabeth Rose touched our lives. Truly, we can say that through her life, we have come to know and understand the scripture where Paul says that I might know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. The night of her birth and her going on to be with our Lord, we discovered so much about ourselves that needed to change. And with that was the hope that we were going to change. There was just so much going on in our little church. We saw that what we were trusting in and that what we were faced with the question, who is in control of our lives and our destiny? I'm so thankful for that night because since then, we have been so set free from fear and condemnation. Many would say, how could a baby that only took a few breaths in this life ever change your life? It was as if she lived a lifetime. <laughs> and uh, had given a, all of us a lifetime of wisdom. Excuse me. Truly, she had a purpose-driven life. We can see that every life is precious and has purpose from God. Amy, we have seen how you have been set free by being chosen to be the one who carried her. It gives an even greater meaning to what the Bible says, that women are saved through the bearing of children. We are so thankful to you that you allowed us to share that night with you. When we participated in the pressing of her hands in the clay, we had no idea of the beautiful impression that she would make on us. We can't wait to thank her someday. We love you and Rob uh, so much, and we know that each one of your children is going to make a powerful mark in this life, just as Elizabeth Rose did with all our love, Bill and Mars. Isn't that a powerful letter? I had, we had no idea the impact it would have on them. And so uh, I just want to kind of wrap up here and say just a few simple things about the the mess of this life sometimes because uh, when we go through loss and pains, it's, it's messy. It just is messy. Um, once we had Elizabeth Rose and had her service, it was within a year of that time that my friend Brian, uh, who had had a dream in his heart to start a church in Phoenix but never was allowed to, we were able to have that healthy conversation, and we went, Amy and I decided to go with him to Phoenix and help start a church, which is still happening now. They have a church of about 1,000 people there now, all with college students and stuff. Um, and their lives, Brian and Wendy, were impacted by Elizabeth Rose. They were all a part of this. And, uh, and then after four years there, this is when we moved up here. So it brought so much new life to us. But being out of control is a very scary thing, isn't it? And... Uh, I think that's one of the things we learned. We're just not in control. And uh, I thought I was. Our, our, my, my good friend Eric Peterson yesterday at our breakfast said something so powerful. He said, it's really not, it's, it's God's story. And he's the author. We're just a part of that story. And, but that doesn't take away from the pain, man, and the loss. 
Uh, and God knows that. He's, he's not distancing himself from us when we go through it. Um, sometimes there's just no answers. It's not an A plus B equals C. Things don't go our way. Our plans get messed up. Amy had mentioned we wanted two kids, a dog, a white picket fence, a house. And for me, I wanted a lot of good cologne. I love cologne. That's all I really wanted. I love cologne. Expensive cologne. Because I smell good. Even if I haven't showered. <laughs> so that's all I wanted, man. Simple life. But it got messed up, you know. Do you guys like Jerkar? Do you guys ever smell Jerkar? I'm telling you, try that stuff. It's awesome. It'll change your life. Anyway, a honey. A rose scent. A rose scent, yes. Uh, but it doesn't go our way, you know, and there's, there are stages. So I know you can Google grieving. Here's some of the things we learned about grieving. It's not, it's a mess. <laughs> and it's okay to be where you're at in the process. And there is really no end to it sometimes. You change, I think. But you get so angry, and there's shock, and there's disbelief, there's denial, there's depression, then there's some acceptance, and then it goes back all over again. And that's okay. See, nobody, somebody didn't tell us that, but I had to learn that the hard way. It's okay. There was nothing wrong with you when you're grieving in that way. Some of you have been through tremendous loss. Um, but no, one guy said this to me, and it changed me. He said, when you do cry, just realize your tears aren't are going nowhere. They're going to Jesus. Cry him to the Lord, and he'll, he'll cry with you, and he'll heal you because he loves you. Um, you know, when, when Amy went through this, and she's such a hero, uh, she just went through so much with that. Um, one of the things she didn't mention is during the process of with a baby with anencephaly, you, uh, uh, the amniotic fluid isn't, uh, res they can't swallow. So she had to, she had a very large belly because of that and had to have that drained off I think twice they put a big hypodermic needle in there it's just very painful she didn't sleep well for months and then she finally gave birth to this to our to to a, a child that didn't live very long um, so she's a hero in my book but somebody told her just two weeks afterwards it was time for her to pull up her big girl panties and get on with it and man that's just not that's not right you know and uh, I want to say this, if don't, you know, pull up your big girl panties and get on with it. And if there, I know there's men in here, if you're wearing girls panties, that's a problem. <laughs> you're going to have to deal with that later. That's that another discussion. You shouldn't be wearing girl panties and pulling you them up. You can have a business card after this. Don't hike them up. Need, if you need that. She, she was literally told that. And that's just not true, man. You just don't get over pain and loss, whatever you're going through, you just, that doesn't, that's not real. But that advice was given by somebody who had, uh, had no idea what they were saying. And I just want to say on behalf of all pastors and people that maybe have hurt you with saying something to you that hurts you, we're sorry. Please forgive us. I've done that. I've said things that just weren't right to somebody trying to fix them, trying to help. And dude, it hurts people. So please forgive us. Um, we know not what we do sometimes, <laughs> but Jesus does, and he can heal you, and he can, he can bless you. Grieving is a process. Here's what we learned. You can't speed it up. I, I said it's just, there's no formula to it. Um, we go through all kinds of things, and it affects, I believe, the body, soul, and the spirit. It's, it's a, we're triune beings, and we all 
go through this, and Jesus knows that. Um, I think it's important to give your, yourself permission to grieve. Don't feel like you have to have it all together just because of a certain time period. Amy like just said 16 years ago, there's still emotions that come. Somebody could say, just get over it, man, but you don't. I don't think you ever do get over it. You're not the same, and that's okay. Sometimes you're just numb, and it's a day-by-day -day thing. But I just want to say this. I want to read this uh, to you from Isaiah as we close here. Uh, oh, and Amy, want, do you want to say that now? Yeah, I just, I just wanted to add that even though um, you still go through process, I do think there's a day that you... Um, that acceptance does settle in. And sometimes the little stages will come back, like Rob said, 16 years later, or it might nine, nine years, not sure why nine. Um, but that there is a time when you are, you, you say, okay, you know, I'm a different person, I'm a new person, and God has put a new song in your heart. And um, that's what I was referring to about Rob and seeing great purpose, you know, through the counseling that he came here to receive that is where God started to remind him about the call of God on his life, and so new dreams formed. And so although it's not a hopeless thing, it's not a never-ending thing um, in terms of that you will never you know, feel joy again, I think that word joy um, is something to really study out, and I had to because I used the scripture with each one of my children that I would go in to, um, in, into labor and delivery for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And obviously that's about Jesus going to do the very hard thing of laying his life down for us. But I would say, okay, I can do this hard thing because I'm going to have this prize at the end. And then I realized, wow, I don't under, even understand what joy means because if you don't get what you want, so to speak, you know, what's the motivation to do the hard thing was a very immature understanding of that scripture that I had. And so I think that, and studying that word, one definition in it tucked in there of joy. Um, see, I'm gonna do what Dan does, isn't this cool? Define a word. <laughs> um, joy, actually, there's one little definition in there tucked in that says grace realized is part of that word. And so I think when I realized grace through her life, that was one of the biggest things that we can claim is the legacy of her life on us is understanding or beginning, just beginning to understand his grace and the journey of that in um, truly who he is to us um, is a grace bringer and um, he restores all things. So I just wanted to, to give, um, you know, guys, I got my first tattoo this year. It was a pretty big deal. It's very tiny, but it does say he restores, period. And so even though I say I, can't, I cannot tell you today that everything that in loss is tied up with a bow and that I'm just walking in this, you know, um, I lost a dream of mine this past year of living on a farm. Um, I let that go. I guess I shouldn't say I lost it in terms of that I surrendered it. God um, had us move on. And, um, and so I'm waiting for that new song in my heart in that process. Um, so we can't say that everything's always tied up with a bow, but we can say that we can heal and that we have new songs in our hearts and that there's purpose and that God gives us great, um, he, it's a privilege to share about her life because what we get to share about is Jesus and who he is and how he's healed. And there's no answers like Rob said, A plus B equals C. The only answer is Jesus himself. So good.
As we close here, I just was reminded, you know, that John chapter 12, verse 24, it says, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And I, I think the testimony of Elizabeth Rowe's life is it's, her death has borne tremendous fruit in our, in our lives. And I would say the same for you wherever you're at with that. You may not realize it at first. You may not even want to think about it. But in the end, God's word is true. It bears fruit. It bears fruit in your life, uh, in others' lives, the impact, right? Um, and then this last thing is we close in prayer. This is taken from Isaiah chapter uh, 53, and it's a prophetic word about Jesus. He was despised and rejected by men, a, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. See, he's acquainted with your grief. He's acquainted. That's something we can, we can stand on. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Let me pray before I keep crying. Uh, it's good. Tears are good. Father, thank you for your presence in our lives. Thank you for your great love for every one of us and your children. And Lord, that you know, Jesus, you know our pain. You know where everyone's at here or watching or will watch. Tremendous things have happened in their lives that are just horrifically painful. And Lord, we just ask for you to do the work that only you can do. I pray for every heart here and those that have been broken and hurt that even if they can open that door just slightly to your presence to, to bring your healing. And wherever they're at in grief, we want to just know that you're with them. And you can wrap your arms around them and love them and take care of them. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen.